Welcome to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, brought to you by DSW Ministries. Your host is singer, songwriter, speaker, and domestic violence advocate, Diana Winkler. She is passionate about helping survivors in the church heal from domestic violence and abuse and trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling or qualified medical help. Now, here is Diana. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We have part two today with our guest, Danielle Burnock, and we had a wonderful time last week. We learned all about her and her story and her relationship with the Lord, what childhood emotional neglect is, the dangers of unresolved trauma, and why is child abuse unreported? You can be suffering from trauma and not even know it. We went through all of those things. And she, again, is the lady on the internet who loves you. So if you didn't watch part one, please be sure to go back to part one. You don't want to miss out on those stories. And just in case no one told you that they loved you today, I got my my hearts up again this week. You can see me on YouTube. I've got my heart showing you the love today. Love is an action. And I love doing the podcast, coming here each week to bring you the best guests to help you to heal. And I love preparing the episodes and coming up with great content. So if you have a topic that you would like me to cover that I haven't yet, just do a shout out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, on YouTube. Talk with me. I want to know what you'd like me to talk about on the next show. I'm listening. I'm here for you if you need me. So you can see all of my resources that I have available on dswministries.org. You need somebody to talk to, we can set up a Zoom call. We're going to have a meet and greet the first week of June. I don't have the exact day just yet, but first week of June, we're going to do a meet and greet on Zoom. Sign up for my email list so you can be notified and get that link. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Our first meetup. Been doing this podcast for over a year, and I want to meet you guys. I want to see who I've been talking to all these months and year and a half. So sign up for that. But I also have guests on my show that you may relate to better. They may have a personality that you like. They may have an experience that you relate to. That's why I have different people on the show. And Danielle Burnock is one of those people. She's awesome. We had a great conversation. I'm not going to go over her bio again. If you've listened to the first episode with Danielle, then you already have met her and probably already love her. So we're going to continue right now with my conversation with Danielle. And here she is. Chapter nine in my book, Emerging with Wings, which is funny. I, I still 
still, I find it hard to believe when I sat down to write that first book, I knew the first eight chapters and I went into counseling and I figured, you know, that'd be it. But then there were eight more chapters that I learned going into counseling and had to go through healing for. And that one of the church was called bullseye because it was the core trauma that had not ever been addressed. And it was wrecking all my relationships because I was walking around with an expectation of rejection everywhere I went because the enemy had done an inception in me of the scripture that if we come to Jesus, he will in no wise cast us out. But my little child heart believed I came to Jesus and Jesus himself personally cast me out. Mm. And so if God throw you away, who else is going to want you? <laughs> well, nobody can blame you for feeling that way, the way that you I didn't were even know and... I felt that way. That was under inside. But when the Lord opened my eyes to that, my mouth literally dropped open. I went, because oh, it was like he showed me the whole landscape of my life. And I, I saw over and over and over and over again, the fruit of that. And it was all that until the Lord brought me to the place of healing after he apprehended me and got me back because I got angry at him. I almost used a different word. <laughs> I got angry at him and I tried to prove he didn't exist because I was so angry at him. And I knew that if he did exist and I was angry at him and didn't want anything to do with him, I was in trouble. <laughs> so he has to not exist. Oh, that's how I get off. <laughs> But I was not successful because it's not true. <laughs> and <laughs> he, he pursued me, relentlessly pursued me. He followed me on a road trip all the way out to California and back. I was gone for six weeks with a woman that God inserted into my life. Road trip is a hilarious story. What that road trip was, it's just like, if I wouldn't have taken notes in my journal, I wouldn't have believed it myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. And so it was like on that road trip that the Lord apprehended me in the front seat of my car one morning. We had to pull over because it was raining so hard we couldn't drive. And I woke up in the morning and I was like, I'm not alone. Kind of like, you know, do, 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 do. And I knew enough from, you know, the religious upbringing I had as a child that, you know, I needed to give my life back to Jesus. So I kind of blurted out what I knew, was terrified God was going to kill me because I had been so bad. And then he didn't kill me. And I was like, wow, I was so shocked that he didn't kill me. Mm. And that was the beginning of my reconnection with the Lord there. And so that was way back in 1979. I've heard some other people have the same experience that you had in the car. You know, God, like I had somebody that they were going to commit suicide and drive off a cliff and God stopped them from doing it. Just reached out. That happens. That happens a lot. God, God chases us. Yeah, he does. Because he loves us and he knows our heart too. He knew I was so wounded and he has taught me. I've been so gracious through many of the scriptures that I used to attack myself with because <clears throat> the Bible was attacking to me. It was not comforting. 
I read all the woe is ones and all the you're going to hell ones and all that. And I was like guilty of everything. And like, <laughs> it was terrible. Aww. And even the parable of the talents, because I was so filled with fear, just a fear-based nature and a shame-based nature that I was afraid of everything. And so in the parable of the talents where the one goes and hides it, that was me. I'm like, great. There's no hope for me. <laughs> But the Lord has taken me through the healing. And it's like he knew that was why. And the parable of the talents, the one he's talking to the lazy one, that's someone who doesn't want to do. That's someone who, it's not the wounded soul. He deals with the wounded soul differently than the rebellious soul. If you're stiff-necked as opposed to, I have a stiff neck because it was broken, then <laughs> it's two different things. And our God is love. And he will, he will chase you down and find you if he knows that's what's going on in your heart and you're just wanting him to. I needed him to. I'm so mm. glad he did. <laughs> Amen to that. So there's, there's lots of long-term effects of childhood emotional neglect as we've been learning today and dangers of unresolved trauma. I mean... Can somebody really be suffering from trauma and not know it? I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, well, one thing, the childhood emotional neglect is a form of trauma. And they don't know it's missing. So if they don't know it's missing, then they don't know they have that. That's why one of the things I have is an, an assessment for people to see if they have the side effects. Do you have these things that it leaves behind in your life? Because then if you go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Then like, well, there's a reason. <laughs> Would you like to get rid of that? <laughs> but then people need to want to deal with that. Yes, people can be suffering from trauma and not know it. They can be dismissing it. It was normal. So it's yeah. not trauma. It's normal. Or it's they normal. didn't know something happened to them. Or they've been told that it's not a big deal. Or they've been told to just get over it. Oh, or... Yeah. Countless reasons. There are so many reasons. Yes, a person can suffer from trauma and not know it. That's why I want to bring to light hidden traumas. I have an article on my website, the seven hidden traumas. There are these seven hidden traumas that I highlight and why and how and the details on that. Because yes, trauma can hide. Well, I'll tell you what, most of my abuse has been from my ex-husband of 13 years and I knew in the marriage that there was something wrong, but I didn't know what the word was for it. I didn't know what narcissist was. I didn't know what gaslighting was or, you know, that there was such a thing as an emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know the names for it. So see, you were suffering. Being in the church, it's like, this, this is how it is. And this is what you're supposed to do. And you can't get divorced and you have to submit. And... Can't, you can't voice your opinion at all with your husband, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, that's, that's very traumatic, mm -hmm. not even to be your own person. And right. it wasn't until a couple of friends of mine <laughs> said Thank some God things to me. <laughs> yeah. They woke me up, like calling my, my friends for the 20th time crying that, you know, a horrible anniversary weekend and she's like you need to leave that man <laughs> and I'm like well I can't 
church won't let me. And she's like, God's not going to stop loving you because you left your abusive husband. Oh, but churches will tell you that. The churches tell you that, but that was a wake-up call for me. Like, one, I'm being abused. <laughs> Two, God's going to still love me. Mm -hmm. And three, I can leave. Yeah, you were in a marriage and something went terribly wrong. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. my counselor said to me, something went terribly wrong. And it, that was so freeing because it didn't require knowing exactly what. We just knew that something was not correct. So then you can work on correcting it and get to the bottom of it then. And so your friend knew something was terribly wrong. So they were bringing you to light of something is terribly wrong. You need to do something about it. Yeah. And it wasn't, there was no talk about, oh, well, he never hit you. And, you know, we have a good house and a car and a job. And, you know, look at all the good things that he does for you. It wasn't that it was he shouldn't be treating you this way. Yeah. But, you know, looking back, of course, I can name all those emotions and all those things that happened, like you say. Hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> right. <laughs> Especially when you're in the middle of trauma, it hinders our vision and also trauma strips us of our value. And when we are suffering and our self-worth, we don't tend to speak up for ourselves. We feel like we deserve it. Like Dr. Gabor Mate says that children blame themselves for their trauma because they cannot make a villain out of their caregiver because they need their caregiver. Mm -hmm. And so because they need their caregiver, they have to make themselves the villain. So is that why children don't really report abuse or child abuse is underreported because they need their their parents or their caregiver that's one of the things fear some of them are threatened shame they blame themselves and, and like i said some are threatened if you tell i will fill in the blank and just the internal shame i the statistic that i have read about children who are sexually molested as a child, they 60% of them never tell anyone. That's a lot. Yeah. And then there are those that they don't believe it. They're afraid they're not going to believe them. A friend of mine, Kathy Studer, I had her on my podcast. She is an advocate for childhood emotional abuse and, and making people aware of it and what you can do to actually prevent it. I'm like, I was like, how do you prevent it? But she actually has ways that you can prevent it. And it's like, why do they hide? Because of that shame. The shame is just enormous. Absolutely mm -hmm. enormous. That's horrible. So let's talk about where does it take to heal from trauma? We already talked a little bit about it, but what, what was really helpful for you, for example? Um, multiple things it takes to heal from trauma. One of the, I believe, one of the primary things that I don't think you can heal from trauma if you don't do this, is you have to call it what it is. Yeah. You have to validate it. Like in that quote, if you don't validate it, then it, it becomes invisible. 
and you can't heal something you can't see. You can't deal with something that doesn't exist because you negate it. You know, no, that's not there. It has to be called what it is and you have to face it. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with it. And that takes courage and that takes strength, but it takes, and it's painful. Yes, it is. But it's painful to not heal too. It's, it's just not heal. It's just a different kind of pain. The pain of healing you'll get to the other side and that pain will go away. But with the, mm. the pain of staying, you're going to suffer for the rest of your life. So that I believe is the primary thing. And people need all different kinds of modalities that there are available. Multiple different kinds of modalities available. And not giving up on yourself is one thing that will help you heal from trauma to find what do you need? I believe that connecting with God himself, God who is love and the true God and his love and his grace and connecting with that, that mm-hmm. that will heal you. But it's not magical either. You don't just say some sinner's prayer and boo-boo, you're, no, it's not like yeah. that. It's, well, some will say that, you know, yeah. you say this little prayer and Jesus is it. And like you have to do the work. You have to do the work to work through the pain, to deal with the feelings, to deal with the emotions, to deal with the memories. And depending on how severe and how deep it is, you may need counseling. In fact, I'm a big proponent of counseling. I went through counseling for a very long time. And counseling, Mm -hmm. I'm all for it. Counseling is not for the weak. Counseling is for the brave and the strong. Yes. There's a big stigma with counseling, but counseling is for the brave and the strong. Mm -hmm. And After that, there are things you can do. You can read books. You can go through courses. You can, you had someone on your podcast uh, that I had watched, the Dr. Bill Senyard. He has an app. He has different things of modalities that he has available. You can find all these different modalities. There's tapping, there's um, EFT, there's there's all kinds of electrical things and there's some um, natural things. And you need to reprogram your mind because you believe lies when you're traumatized you believe you are worthless you believe you are unloved and you need to get rid of those toxic beliefs and replace them with healthy beliefs like i have a process i take my clients through called the self process and i'm very specific by using self because self is attacked in the church in some places as if yourself needs to not exist and i went through that but the self is where the choice resides That's where your core is. That's who chooses to heal. And so I take them through the process of self, of see, expose, love, and free. It's seeing where you are, exposing the reason why, loving yourself and receiving the love of God so that you can have the courage to take action to get you into freedom. And this is a cycle that you go through over and over again, depending on how deep you need to go to get to your freedom because God wants us to be free, but it's a process. It's a process. And depending on how deep and how far and how wide it is, depends on how long the process will take. Yeah. It's a journey. Healing's a journey. And it is so true what you said about retraining your brain. It's like deprogramming, like in a cult. I've been Mm -hmm. listening to Stephen Hassan. I don't know if you know him. He was in a Mooney's cult. And he's a foremost expert on cult and being deprogrammed. And some of the stuff 
that he says are common mind control in cults, they do this in the church too. They do it with people who have been abused. They use the same techniques with people that can be taken advantage of and manipulated and hurt. If that's all you know, it's like, yeah, you're got to rewire your brain. Yeah. <laughs> heal your brain too, because trauma injures the brain. But you can heal your brain. They used to think you couldn't heal the brain. First, they didn't, it didn't affect the brain. And then it injured the brain you couldn't heal. And now they know that you can heal the brain <laughs> through neuroplasticity. If you're familiar with Dr. Caroline Leaf, she's a great resource for that yes. also. Of how she's, to apply and heal your brain. She's amazing. And it's so much harder in childhood damage in the brain than if you get it as an adult. Yeah, it's, it's called developmental trauma because your brain is not done developing. And so it's, it's like if you break your bone as a child, it heals faster because the bone is growing still. But in the brain, it doesn't heal itself. It does not heal itself. You don't become stronger for having more trauma, contrary to what some people think. It's like, no, it gets worse. I hate it when people say that. Oh, what, does it kill you, make you smarter, or makes you stronger? It's like, no, it just makes me exhausted and bitter. And <laughs> my mental health went down the tubes, and I'm scared of everything. No, it doesn't make me stronger. No. No. But if you, that, that can be true if you respond in a certain way. But it's not like an automatic thing, which mm -hmm. people tend to think of that. But I think what the person who wrote that song, I think they're, they did the work for it to make them stronger because it didn't kill them. And that's what the, I think their message was intended to be, but people take it like this automatic. No. <laughs> Man, I left my abuser in 2008 and I'm much, much farther along now than I was even five years ago. But yeah, it's like a huge, huge journey. Yes. And I've done the work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the work. Now, I wanted to hear your story about you changing your name. It wasn't just a, okay, I got married, I changed my name, or I got divorced and changed my name, or I got adopted and I changed my name. It's, you picked your own name. I did. I did. And that came about because my mom suggested it was when we were working to reconnect with one another. And I told her what had happened to me regarding my name. And she cried. And my mom had never cried about anything I had gone through before that I was aware of. Wow. I was moved very deeply that, wow, you, you like care. Yeah. <laughs> and she suggested that I change my name. And I was like, I never thought of that. I didn't feel like my name belonged to me. They gave me my name. It belonged to them, right? <laughs> I didn't feel yeah. like I had the right, but she suggested that. So I started praying about it. And it seemed like the thing to do. And I started reading through names. I've always been fascinated with names, probably because of that wound to my name. And I read what different names mean. And I wanted a name that I wanted to own the meaning of the name. Also, I would say these names and I'd look at myself in the mirror. Do you look like that? Do you look like a Rosie? Do you look like a Jacqueline? <laughs> do you look like, a, you know, whatever it was, you know, whatever the name was. And 
I came up with, uh, with Danielle in the process of that. And I was calling it short. I was saying it in different syllables and stuff. I mean, it was, it's really quite an exercise to think of that because you are naming yourself. And Lord went through the process with me. And it was amazing because Danielle means God is my judge. Yes. And I suffered so much self-judgment. And he told me that no one has the right to judge me, not even myself. Only he has the right to judge me. Mm-hmm. And since then, I couldn't own it then. But since then, I have come to learn that there's more to that. Is, and even his judgment of me has been put on Jesus. So I have no judgment. So my, I love my name, Danielle. God is my judge. And he took my judgment and he put it on Jesus Christ, my savior. I love that. Well, the prophet Daniel is one of the top two people in the Bible that I, I love their stories. And that's a perfect name. Thank you. <laughs> and even in the Bible, you see throughout the Bible that God changes people's right. names in the Bible when there's a big change in their life. Right. So right. you're doing you know, something people, biblical. Yeah. I even had people tell me I shouldn't change my name. And some people would not use the new name because I had violated my parents. And so I, I went through assaults, verbal assaults. because what? of that. <laughs> but then that's when the Lord revealed to me what, you know, I knew, but wasn't like aware of in the front of my mind of Abram, Abraham, Sarai, Sarah, yes. Peter, you know, Simeon and, and Peter and, you know, yeah, lots of name changes. <laughs> I just don't understand how people would be against that. I mean, it's it's a name. And your mom, it was your mom's idea. So I just yeah. find that really disrespectful to you as a person that, okay, I'm choosing a new name to give me a new start in life. And it's yeah. it's none of your concern if you don't like me changing my name. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was painful, but it was painful changing my name. It was like, it was like the enemy found a way to make me run into people from my past so frequently right after I changed my name. I'd run into people, you know, at 7-Eleven, at the store, people I hadn't seen in like 20 years or something. You know, I'd have a new name and then I'd have to explain to them. And then they would just call me that old name anyways. It's like, but through that process, because I did it, you know, leaning into the Lord to do that, he did make me stronger. And I, I love my name. <laughs> well, I love part my name. Of loving so. yourself, uh-huh. right? Yeah. What are other ways to love yourself? Other ways to love yourself? Loving your name? Taking care of yourself. Um, developing self-compassion, because self-love and self-compassion are two different things. Self-love is how you think about yourself and self-compassion is how you treat yourself. And so to have compassion on yourself is a form of self-love. If you have compassion on someone else, would you do the same thing for yourself? Mm-hmm. And taking care of yourself, proper self-care, having boundaries, uh, getting sleep, eating or seeking to eat well and trying to heal of the different 
bad coping mechanisms or whatever I had. I used to bite my fingernails until they bled and then I would bite them some more. And the year that I changed my name was the year I turned 30. And it was also the year that God gave me the victory over biting my fingernails. So that year I had long fingernails with, with polish on them. And I, I cut my hair almost all the way off. I got a new name. <laughs> I wrote about it on my website. I have an article, wow. 10 Bizarre Things About Me You Might Not Know. And I have little subheadings that are really kind of cute to draw you in. And this one's called, <laughs> I was in the witness protection program. <laughs> <laughs> because I changed my name, I changed how I looked, changed where I lived. And so it was like, it was kind of funny to put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it's click, almost clickbaity, but funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like the play on the words of it. So, sure, why not? Well, you know, people are afraid to, to say they, they love themselves because it sounds new agey or selfish or back to the, I don't deserve it, or, or you need to die to self. So you need to hate yourself because then they pull out that scripture or, you know, you need to hate yourself. You don't need to love yourself. And then some churches, if you say you love yourself, then they will get on your case because they are against it. You know, I'm learning so much about Jesus and some of the things that he would say, like you must, you must um, hate your mother and father to follow me. That's like, he doesn't literally mean hate your mother and father. It's it's a wordplay, meaning you gotta love me so much that in comparison, your 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 parents are down here in comparison to the love you have for me or the love I have for you. And people take take some of the things that Jesus said literally and, and like you say, hating yourself, die to yourself. And what does it actually mean in the original language too? That's how it was exactly. translated into English. You know, the passion translation is pretty amazing. Ooh. It's like for us to, you know, love our father and mother less than we love God, to love God more. Have yes. you ever read the passion translation? I didn't know there was one. Oh, you need to look that up. It's available in the New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs, and they do have special books uh, for, I have uh, Joshua Judges Ruth and a separate book that, of that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's translated like a... from not only the the Greek, but also the Aramaic and the Septuagint. And there's a ton of footnotes with it. If you use the Bible app, version Bible app, you yeah. can find it on there. And there are so many footnotes. It is so enlightening. Interesting. Now, is that, is that connected to the movie, the Jim Caviezel movie? Or is it just no. named the passion for a no. different reason? No, okay. It, it was, yeah. No, it's well, not connected sounds, to the movie at all. This sounds very interesting. I'm always interested in new Bible translations and what they can offer in oh, yeah. understanding the Bible. Because if you don't understand it, what's the point? Right. It's so, I love the translations too. It's like, you know how a diamond has all the different facets? And if you mm -hmm. look at a scripture and you look at it through like 10 different translations, it will just enlarge your view and it will help you to make a better picture of it. That's that's a good thing. I'm definitely going to have all that stuff in the show notes. Um, <laughs> we don't want to fail to have you talk about your details of your first book, and how you started it. And... Well, I started my first book. I sat down to write it when I was 54 years old. 
I had thought of writing a book for a long time and people said to, and I was going to, and I didn't know how to, and then, you know, life happened. <laughs> and uh, then after we'd moved back from Arizona, it was this one morning, I was reading a devotional that I got in my email and the title of the devotional was Dare to Decide. And that day I felt like the Lord said, today is the day. So that is the day. It was September 29th, 2012, when I decided to write my book. And so I sat down and started to write. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't know anything about writing a book. I had never heard of front matter or back matter. Didn't know anything about anything. And I looked into it a little bit enough to find out that at that time, to write your story, if you get it published by a traditional publisher, at least the ones where I looked into it, they would buy your story and then it no longer belonged to you. And they could do whatever they wanted with it and it, you could never republish it. I'm mm -hmm. like, no, that's not happening. So I self-published my book. I taught myself the whole way through of how to do it. I loved Google. Google was my friend. And LinkedIn has a learning thing called Linda. Through that and every resource I could find online doing research, I published my first book, Emerging with Wings. This is actually a second edition. The first edition is lo no longer available. And I researched copyright and I mean, just everything of how to do that. I had people I knew read through it for grammar. I had a friend who was really good at grammar. My husband's really good at that. And I had a graphic designer that laid out the pages and the photographs on the front and the back were mine because it was so protective of my story. Yes, you should be. And I put it out there the first time and I got all this response and then I discovered a copyright violation in it and I was just horrified. <laughs> Oh no. And so I had to redo it, but it was good because then I redid the cover and then I was able to get endorsements for my book. And so I relaunched it with the second edition the, uh, the, in the fall of the same year. And ever since then, it's been one step after another to how the Lord has led me into this with people discovering that quote and it reaching further and how I needed to get it out there. So I, Lord put it on my heart. I read some article and in this article, the guy said, every book needs a blog. And I'm like, what's a blog. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I'm like, then I had to research that and look into that. And it was just one step at a time. And I joined a writing group and, and I've written other books since then. I do coaching now. I do speaking now. I've written courses now. I do workshops now. I have a business mentor. I mean, if you would have told me this was happening back on that day when I dared to decide, I would have, no, I'm going to not decide then. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I would have been pain. so afraid. Because when I released that book to the world on May 7th, 2014, self-published it through a place that doesn't exist anymore called create space I was so terrified my greatest fear was that someone would read it because I felt like I'd stripped <laughs> off all my clothes and ran around the world naked sharing things I had just learned about myself mm -hmm. while I was writing the book mm -hmm. and I'm gonna let you read this I just learned this myself <laughs> but yeah it's helped people and every step along the way I've grown and gotten stronger and grown and gotten stronger and that's what I want to help other people do, to heal, to
to grow, to get stronger, to live the life that God wants them to live. I, I talk about people reclaiming their God-given greatness because I believe he's put greatness inside of all of us and the trauma wants mm -hmm. to steal it away. But you can reclaim it. You can heal from trauma. You can heal from emotional neglect. You can have the life that God desires for you to have. He has plans for us to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope in the future. Jeremiah 29, 11. One of my favorites. <laughs> yes. He loved us first. That was so pivotal for me to learn that too. Because there's so much you got to love God. 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 You got to love him first. You got to love him first. It's like, I don't even know what I love. What is love? Who is love? What is it? But he loved us first. Mm -hmm. And he gave us what we needed to give him. <laughs> we didn't have love to give him. So he gave it to us so we can give our love to him because he gave it to us first. I'll tell you what, um, people keep telling me to write a book and I've, I've got too many other irons in the fire to do a book right now. I'm a musician and trying to create uh, another album. That's what I do. But if I was going to write a book, I'd be giving you a call. Because <laughs> it's that same, that same feeling. It's like, I don't even want to start writing a book because it's too much work and I don't know how to do it. And well, it's so, a matter of, is that something the Lord wants you to do? And if right. it's not something he wants you to do, then who cares what anyone else says? Yeah, right now I'm, I'm doing the music. That's what well, I do. Go. Tell the folks about all of your resources and books and how to connect with you. Well, my website is daniellebernock.com, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E-B-E-R-N-O-C-K.com. And I have my... My first book is Emerging with Wings, A True Story of Lies, Pain, and the Love that Heals. Then I wrote Love's Manifesto, which you can get free at my website. You can get it in print or in audio. And then I wrote a short little um, story called A Bird Named Pain, which is dealing with the complex emotions when you have a loved one with Alzheimer's, mm. which is available um, in Kindle and in audio on Amazon. And then I have my newest book is Because You Matter how to take ownership of your life so you can really live. And it, it's written in small little parts because broken hearts can't swallow big paragraphs. And you can do it in little things. And it's how to own your emotions. How to, it's how to reclaim what rightfully belongs to you that trauma has stolen in whatever way, mm. adult trauma or childhood trauma. How to own your emotions, own your mind, own your courage, own your value, own your purpose. And I use things from my life, but I also interviewed 10 different people and I have their stories in between all the chapters, men and women, old and young, all different kinds of trauma because everyone doesn't have the same kind of trauma. No. Yeah, it's all different kinds. So there's something you can relate to in that book. And I have my Victoria Souls podcast. You can find everything of mine on my website, all my socials, I'm on all the different socials. I have courses, I have a short one that's only $27, and then I have a big one that's 12 weeks long. I have lots of things. I have a free resources page, so I have a lot to offer, and a YouTube channel also. You've got a mm -hmm. lot of stuff on your website. I'm still exploring, <laughs> and I'd be glad to do a endorsement on any future book, because <laughs> I feel like just in the hour we've been talking, it's like, feel like I've known you for much longer you know <laughs> like you think the same way and you definitely have to keep in touch and when you come to Arizona ever again uh we have to do lunch okay 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. This was really awesome and thought-provoking and educational and inspiring. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And God bless you. All righty. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.